says that it's good because it's got a California surf vibe going in there in California. I know you'd like a little more country. Maybe we should do a day, Lance, where we have, we, we let, we, we play nothing but, like, we have a countrified intro from Barker. I like What's that guy, music. Kenny Stapleton, oh, or whatever you were listening that's to? unbelievable. Chris Stapleton. You're dead to me. Chris Stapleton, right? Kenny? Well, Kenny, no, that's Chris Chesney. No, Kenny Chesney and Chris Stapleton. You were listening, was it Chris Stapleton you were listening to? I'll tell you what. I'm going to find out the name of the dude. It, it was, was. It was, yeah. It was, it wasn't. My favorite. It wasn't bad. I really wasn't trying to get your approval. I know. When I was listening to it, it wasn't bad. Okay, it wasn't bad. Gets me in the music. Gets me in the mood to talk hitting. It does brings back the good old days. It's when I was struggling, and I was the only one in the cage hitting off a tee. Listening was to hitting the bottom part of the tee and screaming and yelling, pulling my hair out. So I needed good music to get me through it. Jeff. And you were yelling, "Where's one of my four hitting coaches?" No, we didn't have that. It wasn't a thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590, the fan 360. John Schneider, bench coach, bench, spit it out, chef. Boy. That's a tough one. John Schneider, bench coach of the Toronto Blue Jays, will be along at 11.15. Perry Manassian, general manager of the LA Angels at 11.35. I've got Blue Jays tickets to give away, Kevin. Tickets for the June 3rd game against how many, Minnesota How Twins. many people you, you think got the trivia question yesterday? Uh, I know a lot of people. Who didn't cheat? Who didn't cheat? Who were answered right away? One guy. It was on uh, the text line. Got it right out the gate, which was impressive. Like really well, impressive. Well, I mean, maybe it's. Yeah. Anyhow, we're giving you a chance. We're giving you the chance to win Blue Jays tickets. I'm losing my voice. To win Blue Jays tickets all season long here Some in Blair and Barker. Say that's a good thing. Whether yeah, they have. All right. I don't want to read that. It's not my job. You read it. You get paid more than me. No, you read it. I mean, we'll, no, we'll get no, some. Well, you read we'll it. Get some, we'll get some airtime. It's not field. No, you read it. You read it. No. It's just a trivia question. You do it. We're giving you the chance to win Blue Jays tickets all season long on Blair and Barker, whether you listen on the radio or on the podcast. You give me your paycheck, and I'll read that. Why is Boffo shaking his head? All you have to do is text the correct answer to our daily baseball trivia question, 595-90. Yesterday, we asked. This was a. This is a tough one. Who set the White Sox franchise record with 77 stolen bases in a single season? I still don't know. Steve Payne, <laughs> one of our uh, Blue Jays producers, mm-hmm. immediately texted Luis Aparicio. That's who I would have said. Mm-hmm. No. The answer was Rudy Law. No way I'm getting Rudy Law. Neither. I mean, it makes sense of you. Then you think, okay, yeah, Rudy Law. Remember who Rudy Law was. Mm-hmm. No way I'm getting that. I thought it was one of those questions. Somebody said Eddie Collins. You know, back... For my birthday, Eddie Collins, when he was... 20s. Yeah. Today's question to win tickets to the Jays Twins down at the Rogers Center on June 3rd. Now, this is the other extreme. I don't even want to read this as a trivia question. This man managed the Twins to two World Series. Really? Are we trying? This man managed the Twins to two World Series. Text the answer to 59590 for your shot to win. See rules at sportsnet.ca slash 590. We will have more tickets to give away next week. We got to have no-brainers in there. That one's really easy. Yeah, that was, that was, uh, that was really easy. We shouldn't even give away tickets for the right answer. We should just keep the tickets. Well, it's not their fault. That's true. Anyhow, text the answer to 59590. 
And if you haven't texted it already, shame on you. Because you should know the answer right out the gate. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are we going to ask John Schneider when he joins us? What's the first thing you want to ask right, John Schneider? Scoring position, how hard has it been on coaches to try and help these guys figure out ways to there you go. get the foot down, get it singing when it matters the most? What do you do? Like, Stay do you within can, yourself. You can't have a runners and score position it's, it's drill. It's very hard, and, and uh, for me anyway, until the guys that are run producers start run producing. Yeah, Matt Chapman, not, not a run producer. Santiago Espinal is not a run producer. Uh, Teoscar Hernandez needs to start figuring some things out. He's big deal in this lineup. Big deal. Big, big deal. Vladdy, 100 RBI guy. That, those are the guys that have to do most of the heavy lifting. And when they're not doing the heavy lifting, it puts a lot of pressure on names. Let's be honest. Lourdes Gurriel Jr., hey, most of us love him. Not a run producer. He's a follower. It's just there's nothing wrong with that. It's a lot of followers. So, yeah, there's, there's a lot of questions that we can ask. You know, ask him how hard it's been on the coaches. You know, the expectations, a lot of expectations for players. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of pressure on coaches because you know what? If Vladdy don't get hot, there's going to be some people yeah, at the end of the season. <laughs> so there's a lot of pressure on these coaches to have some more conversations and have them conversations quicker. Uh you like Santiago Espinal where he is right now? I, Not I, really. At, at some point, the oh, look. At some point, we know the lineup's going to be. Not maybe really. maybe even today, it'll be there. I, I like him as a player, but yeah, he's uh, taken he's taken that job and, and would and you ran off with it? Can can you? But can you? Do you like this lineup right now? Espinal hitting second. Do you do, Not, do, you, do you ride it for a while until oh, you have to? Now they're starting to hit. They got a little mojo. Vladdy's starting to look like Vladdy again. Now, if you can get to Oscar going, that's another one. Lourdes, Matt Chapman. Uh, do I like Santiago Espinal? Right now, he's one of their better hitters. You yeah. want him getting more bats than other guys who aren't hitting, quite frankly. And, yeah, I'm okay with him up there. Perfect scenario? Absolutely not. You'd rather have him hitting sixth or seventh. That'd make your lineup longer. And you want aircraft carriers hitting in that top three or four. And right now, they just don't really have that. And when you got a hot hand, give Charlie credit. You know that that's he hasn't been waiting around on moving the lineup no. around, which is not the easiest thing to do because you've mentioned it a little bit of that panic thing. But sometimes you just got to, without saying it, come out and say that it's time, fellas, for for guys to get it ready. Let's let's go. Like, and sometimes the way you do that's to put guys in positions that sometimes they're not used to being put in. Well, and I I will also say this uh, about Charlie: if this thing has turned the corner. The obvious lineup move for all of us was Vladdy going into the number two spot. Not me. Not, but, but, well, we talked about it in spring training. You understood Spring training it. was yeah, different but, than but, now. But, 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 yeah, but you understood the reasoning. What I'm saying is that was the thing that was talked about. And however it came about, they tried it once. Somebody didn't like it. They went and, and, and they came up with, with this order. So <laughs> I, will give, I, I will give Charlie credit for that. Like The number of, the number of calls this staff has made that have worked out. You know, we even, we, we talk about the bullpen even, and, and I'll tell you what, I still don't think, I'm just going to say, I think there's something going on with the bullpen. We don't know about health wise. I, I, I don't know what it is. I'm just seeing some things. And I think by and large, the coaching staff, for the most part, we talked about this the other day. You, how many games can you go back and go, damn, that was a bad decision. The bullpen, maybe three so far. The Ryan Barucki, 
Like yeah. Scratching, scratching. Yeah. yeah that's and, and there's there there, there were a couple there were a couple of others, but they're trying to piece it together because offensively they just not. But by and large, they pushed. They, I, they I think done, they pushed the right buttons. They've done a really good job. Yeah. Obviously, the the rotation has helped them a lot. Take yes. a little pressure off and not have to go to a guy that you don't have a ton of confidence in because there's three or four or five guys down there, four guys that you feel confident in that if you bring them in the right spot. I will say the Jordan Romano 95s, that scares me a little. I, 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 like when, you're, when your fastball is as moody when it comes to velocity as his has been, why? Yeah. Well, I, I, you just can't flip the switch on and all of a sudden be sitting at 98, 99. That's a problem. Like that's now, is that mechanical? Is he, is he feeling something? Is he feeling the effects of something that he went through with that stuff he was going through? Gastrointestinal issue. It's, it's entirely sports. possible that it would. That's true. Say no, it I, it's, it's worse. It's, and I take a little out of you. Hopefully that's it. Three days from now, he'll be throwing 99 again. That, he, he needs 99. But, you know, you, you, <laughs> you did wonder. You look at, uh, I'm looking at his game-by-game log. Um, May 1st, May 4th, May 10th, May 14th. May 20th. So we're talking six days between appearances, four days between appearances, six days between appearances, back-to-back against Cincinnati. And then five days before he faced Andrew. I understand part of that, obviously, is the way the game is played. The the rotation's been good. But it sure seems to me like something's been being managed here. It sure make you wonder. And because this is just me. When When you look at the elite closers, the more they throw, the better off they are. Because everything sort of mechanically is falling in place, and and they can repeat it over and over and over again. And if they do that, the velocity will be there. The break on the secondary pitch will be there. It's just his for me anyway. I, I'm a big fan of Jordan's. Yeah, and I will say this: Jordan has had one. Yeah, you know, pe- people look at his numbers. He's had one really crap outing, and that was that that game against the Yankees where he gave up. He couldn't get anybody. He gave up a hit, three earned runs. Two walks uh, against the Yankees in, in a, a blowing save. If you're doing this now, what are you going to have to do with him in September? Well, that's, that's the question. Yeah. And start of the year, back-to-back days, two days off, two days off, two days off, two days off. Sorry, one day off. That's Back-to-back, two days They're off. They're not going three days in a row with anybody now. It's just not a thing. They're not going to do that unless they have to, and that'll be... That won't be until June, July. Right, that'll everybody, be a big well, series. Sure, that's when you go three days in a row. They're trying to stay away from that. It's just it's not healthy. It's not, it's not a way you're going to do things. So that you know that that may make you have to go push that starter out a little longer to keep guys that, are, that aren't supposed to be coming in games three days in a row. But the 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 lack of velocity will scare you like that. Because for me anyway, slider's not good enough to rely on it to good teams who have seen it already. It's just not. You've seen it. It's got a lot of floppy to it sometimes. And floppy, good hitting. It's not always breaking the way he wants it to break. Now, a lot of that for me anyway is mechanics. And he forces velocity a ton. When you try too hard to make something move or you try and force velocity, what do you do? You overthrow it. You come outside of your mechanics. You get on the side of the baseball instead of on top of it. And then you're looking up and it's 95 instead of 98, 99. You're thinking to yourself, man, I gave it everything I got. Yeah. Why is it not there? And then what do you do? Your next pitch, you try too hard. And then the more you try, that will lead to what you just mentioned, five days between outings, six days between outings, because your body's having trouble catching up to maximum stuff on the mound. So 
again, I, I'm going to say this. I, I, I'm a big fan of his, but they're, they're going to need to address that and address it quickly of the swing and miss. They ha- really have none. I mean, not the, consistently. The, the, the Trevor Richards changeup. I mean, it's only so many times he can, yeah. he can use that to, to get some swing and misses. And they're going to need those guys. If you want to go to the playoffs, you want to, you want to get to these lineups that you have to first and third, and you're going to punch somebody out because you're going to face teams that are, that have those guys. And you need those guys to go deeper in playoffs. And I, I'm sure Ross knows it. Yeah, listen, I, I think that there's – I think it would be – I just – I don't believe for a second that they're not looking at doing something to, to – at not. I don't want to say doing something because that makes it sound like they're just going to bring an arm in. I don't believe for a second that they're, that this organization isn't looking at a, a serious upgrade to the bullpen. I'm not saying it's going to happen tonight, this weekend – but I, I, you know, I'm a big believer in looking at what a GM's done in the past. And last year, to his credit, you know, Ross didn't hang around till the trade deadline to to make the bullpen move. He made the move for to get Simber and Richards in here. He didn't wait around till like the end of July. To their and credit, I, I can see that. To, to their credit, that happening again. To their credit, they're 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 above 500 with good defense and good starting yeah. pitching. Yes. If you can if you can fill in the blanks and everywhere else. And that's some some uh, some balance in the in the lineup and some more swing and miss. Like I don't know now about you're you. You're cooking with gravy. Like I don't know about you, but if I'm a team that thinks it's good enough to go to the World Series this year, I mean that's the goal. We'll, we'll say go to the postseason, but the the goal of the Blue Jays it's should there now. Yeah, oh, sure. Yeah. At least going to the World mm-hmm. Series. Like I said, once you get in, or even once you get into those things, it's it's luck. Sure. But the point is, this team is good enough. Certainly go to the postseason. Mm-hmm. You're getting really good starting pitching. You're getting elite defense. Those are two things that are pretty important in the playoffs. If I'm a Jays fan, I'm looking at a team that's four games over 500, and I'm not worried about my starting pitching. To me, that's the, that, that's the hardest thing to go out and get because you're probably not going to get that until the trade deadline. You say Kikuchi's turned the corner too, which is a big one. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And you know, let's see what ha- let's see with Ryu's Ryu's elbow. You know, there are good signs of AAA. Thomas Hatch has, has had a couple of goods. Mm-hmm. I know, but the point is, and, and Nate Pearson, maybe I understand that he he pitched. So now maybe we're getting to the point where it could be some some movement there as well. But if I'm if my focus is adding a bat and adding another power arm to the bullpen. Yeah, those are hard commodities, but I would damn sure rather be doing that than looking at a team full of guys who can't get out of the third inning and can't catch the ball. Like, I know if I address those two issues, plus the guys that I have in this lineup getting back to being the way they are, because I I refuse to believe that they're going to be, and I was saying this all along, they're not going to be as bad as they were last month for, it's just not going to, it's not going to continue all year. Team's pretty well positioned, actually. Like, you can make moves to improve what you need to improve in this team, knowing full well Boy. that you've got really good defense. And I, again, I get back to it, man. That starting pitching is you can hang your hat on. Jeff, that. you are on top of your game today. No, you are all over it. <laughs> what did I do? You nailed all that. I got nothing to add to that. You're that's perfect. Yeah, and um, yeah, I, I like I said, I I worry about defense and starting pitching, and they're getting they're getting a lot of defense. Boom. They really are. Let's bring in John Schneider, bench coach of the Toronto Blue Jays. Hello, John. Good morning, fellas. You did nail that, Jeff. That was pretty good. They did. Yeah. 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 Okay, now I'm going to be – now that I've got all the optimism out of my system, (laughs) no, not not especially. Uh, You know, we're we're 
Kevin and I spent a lot of time talking about the game last night and, and the approaches that we saw and, you know, talking about Vladdy and George and, 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 and Jano. But one of the things I wanted to ask you just generally, John, like I understand there are no drills you can do or, or, or any practicing you can do with runners in scoring position really are there. I mean, you can't, it's not the type of thing like let's work in our running game or, you know, uh, let's work in our passing game to borrow a football thing. You can't really work in your runners and scoring position game. So what do you do as a coaching staff? Uh, You kind of just keep talking about it. You know, you keep talking about not changing your approach that much to what you're really trying to do from the get go. Um, Really trying to get a good pitch to hit. Um, almost kind of flip the count a little bit to where if you're sitting 0-2, pretend like it's 2-0, um, and just try to get something really, really in the middle of the plate, and uh, hopefully good things will happen. But you can talk about it. You can, you know, practice it. Like, Kev, you know, you can do situational hitting and BP and things like that, but mm-hmm. it's it's different in games, and, I'm, you know, it's 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 been really weird how, how – uh, we've done with runners in scoring position to be honest with you so i think it'll change um and i think you gotta just stay the course Stides, i know there's pressure coming into the season on the players vladdy you know you young guy there's all kinds of pressure on Bo and springer but how much pressure is on you guys the coaches to, to get this thing all headed in the right direction i i know i talked to you in spring training and and sort of the the conversations was we want to we want to have a little separation early in the season take the pressure off when it comes to september now you're going through this you guys felt the pressure I mean, you'd be lying if you say no. Sure. I think that when you, have, when you have expectations, you know, there's certain standards that you hold yourself to and your players to. Um, I think why it's why everything is going well is because we're, you know, we're following through with what we wanted to do before, during, and after games. And we haven't gotten the, the you know, all of the results that we wanted so far. But it's, uh, you know, you, that's why you do it. You know, you want to have expectations. You want to have that pressure, whether you're playing or coaching. And, uh you know, I think that we can say collectively as a staff that we've done, a, you know, exactly what we've wanted to do in terms of uh, getting the guys ready and getting ourselves ready. So that's uh, what we're going to continue to do, and hopefully the wins kind of keep on coming. Yeah, nobody works harder than you guys. I uh, I got to ask, the, the uh, in minor leagues, I know obviously you're a manager, and I, I'm not going to act like I know how you – came up with lineups and did you mix them around when they were not doing well? You know, it was more about development than it was winning all the time at this level. Does that really work? Like moving lineups around and, and putting guys, you know, putting Vlad in the two spot, which I know is the, is the main thing you want to do in, in spring training. You wanted to give him extra at bats to win more games. That made a little bit of sense and he didn't like it, but it's in season. Does these little things matter? Moving a guy up a spot. Does it, is that, is that a big deal? I don't think it is all the time. I think there's more, you know, to be said about guys being uh, comfortable and familiar with where they're going to be. Um, you know, so you have guys that are going to be pretty set for the most part. I thought I thought moving SB up to the two hole was the right call and kind of shaking things up in terms of uh, just kind of the the type of at bat that you're going to get after George and and before Vladdy. Um, I thought that was a good thing. And a lot of times, you know, you just you see your name in a different spot in the lineup and it kind of just changes your mindset a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, we did that once with Chappie leading off when George was out, kind of just, you know, just to go, oh, wow, that's different, and to see how that affects him that night. But, I mean, it's not that um, – I don't think that it's a, a game changer by any means, but I think that it is a uh, 
a good way to kind of change the vibe a little bit now and then. Yeah, it, it seems like that. Now, the one guy who Danny Jansen's came back, and, and he's done some things offensively, he's a lot more confident. And the the first thing I thought of is, you know, run producer. You, you're you struggling with runners in scoring position. The first thing you would want to do if you've got a hot guy at the bottom of the order is to maybe move him up to somewhere, say, in that five-hole or that six-hole to give him more opportunities. I say not. I think that's a lot of pressure. Guy's not a run producer. He's not a run producer. He's just right now in a, in a hot spot. What do you think about that? Am I on to something, or, you know, you sort of have to do what you have to do on occasion? Well, he's actually hitting third tonight, Kev. Nice. No, I'm kidding. I'm, nice. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, well, he should be. He, uh, <laughs> he, I think you, uh, where he's at is perfect. I think that he's really kind of come into his own as a hitter understanding what he's good at, getting the ball in the air, pull side. Um, and it's been it's been really cool to watch. You know, I think with the way the lineup is built and when it's uh, functioning properly, uh, right down where he is, kind of seven-ish, something like that is, mm-hmm. is a really good spot for him, yeah. John, how, um, how common is it for something like Danny Jansen to happen where a guy is drafted by another front office and everybody seems to show patience with the guy and he seems seems to show patience with the organization. They, you know, we talk, this organization has got guys like Vladdy and Bo. These guys are kind of superstars when they come up, but there's been something about the way the relationship between this organization and Danny that I think is just kind of cool that you may not always see in baseball. Cause sometimes when you change, you know, you know, when, when, player or people leave sometimes you kind of throw the baby out with the bathwater accidentally at times and it just seems like a bunch of people have made a right the right decision with Danny Jansen yeah I couldn't agree with you more um knowing him from when then he when he signed as a 17 year old kid out of high school um and managing him in the Gulf Coast League to now I think that it's a unique um it is a unique thing that a guy like that has been around and, and really viewed the way he is viewed, not only by the front office and coaching staff, but his teammates. You know, every stop of the way, his teammates look up to him. He's kind of the uh, unsung heartbeat of the club um, that kind of just goes by the wayside and does his work and, you know, does his job every day. And I think it's just a credit to him. And really, man, I, for knowing him since he's been in pro ball and, and kind of being along the ride with him, I can't say uh, enough good things about him to where guys gravitate towards him. And um, yeah, man, he hit the nail on the head where I think everyone did a good job with staying patient with him and, and trusting that the way he works and the way he works with people around him is going to really pay off. Uh, I think it was Mark DeRosa this morning on MLB network was talking about George Springer and he was, he was kind of doing a breakdown of George Springer against Shohei Otani and he made a point that I found really interesting. I think it was A.J. Hinch. He was, he was talking about, he asked A.J. Hinch, or it was somebody with Houston, why do you lead this guy off? Because Kevin said, mm-hmm. he kind of, you look at him, you go, man, you'd love that bat in the middle of the order. And the answer was, it, it, it wasn't just an, an analytical decision. It was the guy brings energy. He brings energy when he walks into the clubhouse. He brings energy when he goes to the plate. You see a game like last night. What was it, an eight-pitch first at bat, and he hits the yeah. home run. That is George Springer in a nutshell, isn't it? Uh, yeah, it's from the moment he walks in, dancing the music in the clubhouse to, you know, grinding out an eight pitch at bat to lead up the game with the homer. We toyed around with it, man. When we signed him, it was where we put him. And if we put him into two or three, maybe those leadoff homers turn into three run homers and things like that. Um, but it just it comes down to it where 
he brings so much energy and can set a tone in, in a way that I haven't really seen other guys do. Um, you got speed, you got power, you got patience, all that kind of stuff. Um, and then once the lineup flips over, once you got him coming up again, hopefully with traffic on, and it's, it's really dangerous. So he's a, he's a stud man. And what he, I think again, what he does for the club and the energy he brings and, the experiences that he can share with some of our young dudes is uh, is pretty uh, pretty special. Uh, Steins, I, uh, I just looked up Lourdes Gurriel Jr.'s numbers since last 15 games. I think he's six for his last 49. It's not good, right? It's, you know, you're looking sort of at the bottom of the mountain yeah. there where you're wanting to fall off of it. But by, it's I don't want to ask you what you're – uh, what you're trying to do with him mechanically because you're not the hitting coach. But I do want to ask, when you have a streaky guy, he's a streaky guy, he's a long-arm guy, stands off the plate. When, you, when you're trying to make out lineups and you want to get a guy hot, but you're trying to win at the same time and you got some guys around him struggling, how do you go about that? Like, what's what's the conversations like around a guy like that? Did you still want to try and get hot because he is a streaky guy? Yeah, we're hoping he gets hot. Um, like you said, we've seen him do it in the past. And I mm-hmm. think the conversation, just kind of, hey, man, keep working. Uh, we're going to put you in the spots where we think you're going to have the most success. Um, I know that firing him in against Otani after a couple of days off isn't the, isn't the, you know, the right answer, but I think it was you know, a guy that we trust and we don't want to have him out of the lineup too long. Um, so I think it's so start with you know swinging at the right pitch, which sounds so repetitive, but I think it's just so important, especially for a guy like him and the couple walks that he had last night were huge, I think, for him um, to carry over into tonight. So just swing at the right pitch. Um, trust the work that you do with G every day in the cage and just know that it's going gonna, it's gonna to turn for you. So hopefully it does. And he was a big part of what we did last year down the stretch with the way he swung the bat. And, uh, you know, hopefully he can get a rolling. He's a, he would be a huge, huge uh, shot in the arm for us. John, really good of you to join us today. Thanks so much for your time. Thank you. You're the Be best. well. You bet. You bet, Jeff. All right, guys. Take yeah. care. John Schneider, bench coach of the Toronto Blue Jays. Can't be the easiest thing. You, 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 you root for a guy. You want to put the guy in the lineup, but he is six for his last 49. And he, he looks lost a lot of the times. And how do you, when a lot of your other guys are struggling, there's a fine line there because you're trying to win. You're trying to get, add a little separation from you and other teams behind you. You don't want to go through big slumps as a team. But you're also you need that guy. Like you need that guy to get a little hot. How do you do it? It's not the easiest thing for a coach to write his name in lineup all the time. No, and it, it gets back to, I mean, it gets back to confidence. It gets back to faith in the guy. Um, you know, I, I think people need to keep in mind that for this coaching staff, you know, they they have seen the best and worst of Lourdes Gurriel. They've mm. they've had to send him. You know, he's gone down to the minors because he. Couldn't play second base, basically. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, it would certainly, you would certainly like that bat to be a little more like it was in September because he came up, and, and just where he is in the lineup, he comes up in some big situations because Vladdy and Bo aren't always going to hit extra, get extra base hits. Teoscar's not always going get to get an extra base hit. And the number of times he comes up with somebody in second or somebody in base it's almost like when you're hitting eighth, you're sort of the second cleanup hitter. Yeah. Because the guy's going to be on base in front of you. Yeah. And uh, for me, it's he stands really far off the plate. I know I mentioned that, and I know that's the adjustments he's made because he's a long-arm guy. But he is an inside-out guy. And when you're an inside-out guy and you want to lead with your hands first and that barrel is so late coming through the hitting zone, can you do it that far away from the plate? 
That's a lot to ask. And, I, and when, when will you have to make adjustments? That's the thing. You got to buy into it. It's hard to buy into something. Perry Manassian is general manager of the Los Angeles Angels. He is, of course, formerly with the Toronto Blue Jays. He will join us. We'll also have Barker's back leg bits. And we've noticed something in, uh, in, since we started doing the show in Barker's back leg bits. And uh, that is that I think maybe part of it's because we're on Sportsnet 360. We get a ton of questions from across the country. So I, I just want to re- reinforce that. If you've got a question for us, DM me at SN Jeff Blair. And uh, yeah, wherever you are, Manitoba, Saskatchewan, Newfoundland, Quebec, BC, Alberta, wherever you are. Uh, we'll keep an eye out for you. Let's put it that way. It's Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590, The Fan, Sportsnet 360, and wherever you get your favorite podcast. The smartest takes on the biggest stories in sports. The Fan Drive Time with Ben Ennis and Stephen Brunt. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Every sport has their big, juicy controversy. Boxing has the Mike Tyson ear bite. Cycling has Lance Armstrong. Baseball has its steroid era. Curling has Broomgate. It's a story of broken relationships, houses divided, corporate rivalry, and a performance-enhancing broom. It was a year I'd like to forget. Broomgate. Available now. that commercial where you hold your nose you act like you're you're dancing no no the surf it is that it is that commercial i can always picture like when i when you hear music like this you want to get not eaten by sharks the fact i think i have no idea i just think surfboards and volkswagen volkswagen vans scooby-doo van scooby-doo van do you have one of those uh, I had a friend who had a converted school bus. That's awesome. Like a, <laughs> one of the awesome. small school buses. He cleaned out all the seats. He had big speakers in the bow. Oh, it was great. that's tremendous. Yeah. Great idea. It was a great idea. It yeah. was. He's in prison. Stru- <laughs> yeah. He that's is. About I'm not right. kidding. He that's is. About he right. is. Yeah. He's a. I'm not going to ask what for. No. Well, I wouldn't <laughs> tell you anyhow. Uh, it's Blair and Barker, the stretch drive on uh, Sportsnet 590, the fan 360, and wherever you get your favorite podcast. Um, I'm going to read this comment from uh, an article in The Athletic on by Jason Stark, and, and we'll bring uh, Perry Manassian, general manager of the Angels, on to uh, hear this. Perry, thanks so much for joining us. Jason did an article on The Athletic. And uh, it's just kind of baseball at the 40-game point and getting comments from rival executives. This is what rival executives are saying about the, uh, the Angels. Um, quote, What they do at the deadline, I think, will determine how far they go, one rival exec said, because they're going to have to almost create a second layer of starting pitching to get through the season. But they obviously are really talented. There's a reason that everybody wants to believe that this is the year of the Angels. So, Perry, thank you for joining us. It's, I, I don't know how to explain this, but when you guys, you know, when, when people looked at the start the Angels got off to, um, I had someone tell me, I don't know if there was, 
happiness about anything else around baseball as much as it was seeing the Angels get off to a good start with Otani and with Trout. Now, I know that you're, I'm sure your general manager brethren aren't going to necessarily be mm. giving you a whole, doing a whole bunch of favors for you, but Perry, do you get the sense you're around something special right now with this team? Yeah, it's, it's, it's a good group of guys. Obviously, it's really talented. Yeah, special, I mean, we'll, time will tell, right? There's four months left, but I will say this. We have a lot of talent and a lot of really good makeup, so it's a, it's a pretty good group. Perry, is it? Is it? I, I've always wondered about this, and I'd love to be in a room when you're on a conversation call with with a, another GM about a player that you'd be interested in. But I'm always interested. You know, it's like the Blue Jays. The Blue Jays need balance in their lineup. They need a lefty, a really good left-handed bat to sprinkle in. You know, with all the right-handed hitters. But I wonder when it's too early to call other teams. Like when it's, you know, you're thinking, oh, I need this, and I see that team, and I think that team's probably not in it. When's it too early as a GM to call another team and ask about a player? Yeah, I don't necessarily think there's a time where it's too early. I think things pick up closer to deadlines. I think deadlines make things happen in all walks of life, not just baseball. You know, but as far as work being done, I think the work starts. You know, it starts at the beginning of the season, and it goes through the season, it goes through the off season. So I don't necessarily think there's ever a bad time to call. When you uh, when you look at your team, and uh, not just your team, but when any whenever any general manager looks at at their team, uh, Perry, I, how much of your time is spent wondering or worrying about whether the really good stuff is sustainable, right? Because we always talk about, you know, you look at things like Tyler Ward and all that. We just go, boy, he's going to come back right. to earth at some point. As a GM, do you look at it, look at things that way? Absolutely. Yeah, I think you worry uh, <laughs> every minute of every day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> for the most part, you know, there's always that constant what if, and it's usually what if bad things happen. And that's where depth comes in, right? That's where great organizations have upstanding depth. And that's something we've really concentrated on uh, here. And you know, one of the things we talked about this off season was it's been such a you know, it's it's been such a star-studded place. And you know, I've been here for a year and and have been around some of the bigger guys we have, and they are great players. You know, but this is baseball, and baseball takes it takes a lot of quality and a lot of quantity to get through a major league season, 152 games and a lot of things happen. And so I think depth in general is so important and you constantly are trying to, you know, not only raise the ceiling of your club, but, uh, and send vice versa, bottom of your roster, you're trying to improve it day in and day out. So, uh, that's been a big focus for us. I, I know Tony won the MVP last year, but everybody can improve at something. Have you seen any part of his game that's improved from last year? Yeah, I think the, on the pitching end, he's been a different guy this year. He's 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 been outstanding. Um, you know, he's taken it to a new level with his command. I think that's been probably the most impressive thing on the mound. And he's this is a obviously unique. Uh, unique mm-hmm. human being mm-hmm. that just does things every day that you sit there and say, wow. You know, and that's probably the best way I can describe him. And as good as he is on the field, he's even better off the field. And there's such a commitment to his craft, such a discipline in his day. I mean, it's, I mean, it's basically timed from the, from the minute he walks in to the time he leaves. There's a plan in place to get the most out of the day. I don't think anybody gets more out of their day than him. So, um, he's he's something else to watch. Terry, do you think uh, did he do you think he's pushed Mike Trout to be better, a better player? 
No, not necessarily. I, I do think I, I do think I've been I've been lucky. I've been around major league teams for over thirty years and I do think when you have multiple MVP candidates, great players, they raise each other's game. But I, I mean you could stick Mike on any club mm-hmm. and he's he's gonna be Mike and he's gonna do what he does and there's 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 a competitiveness to him that you know, you guys have seen great players in all sports and there's a certain they have a certain edge, certain competitiveness uh, that that just drives them day in and day out. And obviously, he's got unique talent. He can he's as strong as anybody. He can fly, uh, but what separates him is is the work ethic and the commitment. And he's just nonstop. I mean, he wakes up thinking about baseball. He goes to sleep thinking about baseball. And you know, this is a guy that's definitely committed to being as good as he can be. Um, what do you guys have in Taylor Ward? Yeah, we, we really like Taylor Ward. And that was, we made some tough decisions at the end of spring training, probably weren't popular at the time. Um, but that was a big reason why was to give him an opportunity to play and open up a spot and allow him to play right field on a daily basis. You know, that was something that we wanted to commit to. And we did, and he's been outstanding. And I think I've seen, I've seen players break out in their later 20s. You know, I've been lucky just being in Toronto and working there and seeing Jose Batista become what he became and you know trading Josh trading for Josh Donaldson and those guys were in their late 20s early 30s and, and seeing what he you know ended up becoming you know those guys kind of took it to the next level in their late 20s early 30s and we felt like Taylor had similar not saying to that level of players but had similar traits right he makes good decisions at the plate he's athletic he's strong he's got huge power to all fields and when you make good decisions and you have power at some point in your career, usually production really kicks up, and, and we felt like it was a good time to give an opportunity to play. Yeah, and I, I find it interesting, too, because it does kind of prove, doesn't it, that even with analytics and everything, you can still win a job in spring training, can't you? <laughs> you, you, you still Absolutely. can. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt about it. And, you know, for us, it's more, more than just spring training. It's what you do in the offseason. You know, and I think that's what, that's what in my experience, is. The off seasons, how you prepare and how you prep and what you put into it, and and um, you know not only physically, not just being in a weight room, but it's mentally. You know, mental the mental side of things is as important, if not more important, uh, in, in my opinion, in the off season. And he did everything he possibly could do to to be ready for this season and to improve his focus. And and when the bell rang in spring training, it showed. And it just kind of carried over, but we were really excited about what he was able to accomplish. And um, he's he's having a good year. Perry, uh, where's Noah Syndergaard right now in terms of where where you guys think he ne- he needs to be to you know to I I don't look I don't know if he's going to be Noah Syndergaard that he was before, but what right. do you what do you what do you see from him and 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 where do you need him to be for this team to be successful? Yeah, I think we just need him to stay in the same place he is. He's been great. And he's pitched really well for us on the mound. Um, it's different. He's you know he's not thrown a hundred like he has in the past. You know, but you know, the reason he was so attractive to us was because he's a pitcher. You know, and he's always been a pitcher first. And you know, it's a pitcher who threw hard. It's not a thrower. Mm-hmm. And we were looking for somebody to lead the rotation and kind of set the tone. Um, you know, mentally and the way he does things. And he's done that since he's walked in the door. I mean. He's a strike thrower. It is on the attack from pitch one. You know, I think he, his last start, I don't necessarily think he had a three-ball count. 
So, and that rubs off. And, and those, when you're on a team, and especially in a rotation, a starting rotation, you know, I think the, the has been has had the experience of being around staff that take the personality of of some of the uh, leaders of the staff, and he's definitely one of those guys. Michael Lorenz is another one. You know, they've both been outstanding as far as walking in the walking in the door and setting the tone. And for us, we wanted to change our mentality a little bit. I think I think um, we focused on again this is this is probably more subjective than it is objective you're not going to be able to um quantify this but you know in my opinion i felt like we lacked a little edge we lacked a little confidence and uh, both guys bring that on a daily basis perry really good of you to join us today thanks so much keep it going man good luck appreciate it take, take care. care guys perry manassian's general manager of the los angeles angels yeah it is a, it, you've seen Cindergard mm-hmm. this year it's I, that's a great way he would, and I think people misunderstood that about Syndergaard. He was a pitcher who threw hard. He was not a thrower. For me, it was about, more about health. You, you had to figure out that that's a that's a tool. That's a that's an art is to figure out ways around you getting hurt. Whether that's overthrowing, whether that's throwing too many secondary pitches, whether that's a mechanical issue, whatever the case is, it's up to you to keep yourself on the field. And I think he's went through. All those things that, you know, you you learn from, you adjust things in the offseason. You know, you could look on Instagram, you always see him with his shirt off, throwing as hard as he can with a with a mile-per-hour gun in, in the right-hand corner. That, for me, is a little bit much to take. But, hey, it's about performance. He's performing now. I think he's figured some things out, and good for them. They 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 need all the pitching they can get, especially the American League East with with the Astros and, and you know, the team that's always there. If you're, if you're going to if you're gonna be the big boy, you got to beat the big boy. You do it with pitching. You know what time it is? It's time for Barker's Back Leg Bits. Hey, Bark, why don't you just not worry about it? <laughs> yes, yes. I don't know why that got me so excited. I do. Because it was, it was Gibbons be, putting you down. It was. Yeah. Yeah. It is time for Barker's Back Leg Bits, where we let you, the listener slash viewer slash, I guess, pod listener, which is still a listener. Mm-hmm. Uh, ask Kevin Barker questions. You can DM me. SN Jeff Blair is my Twitter handle, and my DMs are open. I mean, they are. There you go. I, I, I presume there's some people I, I may have blocked at some point. I'm sure you have. Mostly the DMs are open. Mm-hmm. Um, hey, a lot of love for Barker's opening segment on uh, breaking down Vladdy's hitting. I'm glad. I'm glad. You, I'm, I'm glad they liked it. It's it's uh it's again when the, when you have superstars, Jeff, you got to be careful about how you the leagues made an adjustment to them, and now you 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 know just overload them with so much information about. Uh, I me personally continue to get better at what you do great, and take the thing you don't do great. That's that's me anyway. Oh, well, we mentioned that we get an awful lot of DMs uh, from across the country. I think probably because we're on Sportsnet 360, which is great um, awesome. because we are kind of, we like to consider ourselves as a national, mm-hmm. um, a national show. And we know that there are a ton of Jays fans everywhere. I mean, I, I made the point a couple of years ago, we went to, took the family to Prince Edward Island for a couple of weeks in the summer. And I mean, it, it was just a really, 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 really small town uh, in PEI. And the first thing we saw, we'd, Got into our place. We're in the truck. We're going into town to get something to eat. Just guy in a uh, 
in, in a tractor in the middle of the potato field. And he's got like this big ass Blue Jays flag awesome. waving, waving in the wind. So I, awesome. that kind of reinforced it for me. This is uh, from Ryan in Lorette, Manitoba. Shout out to Lorette, Manitoba, mm-hmm. by the way. It, it, and I, his, his question, I want to kind of play off this question. His question is, how many other MLB players could pitch and play if given the chance? He says, seem everyone is made to choose at some point. Now, we know, Kevin, the guys have been drafted. Uh, and, you know, they come up, guys come up and quote, they are pitchers and hitters. Mm-hmm. We just don't see a lot of that, though, right? Like, do you think that with the success of a guy like Otani... Do you think we'll see more at some point? I'm not sure. I, me personally, this is just me. I, I would think you would see more of a bullpen arm guy than you would be a starter. Because there's a lot more routine goes into being a starter. The 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 massaging and the and the running that you have to do as a starter to keep yourself in that kind of shape. But a bullpen arm, there's some guys that can throw hard enough and grip a a secondary pitch in a certain way that you could ask them to come out of right field onto the field in the seventh inning, you know, to get the third out. Right. Could, I think you could see more of that than an actual guy being Otani where it's all the routines that Perry just mentioned it. Like all the routines that go into the, I know how much effort I put into hitting when I stunk and I was playing so much music to keep myself from going insane just to get my mind off of, because I couldn't hit a ball fatigue. I right. can't imagine like if, if something with Otani where he's not getting it out front to, to snap the slider off. How much work would go into that and how much work would go away from his hitting that would go into that part of when you fail and the mental part of going into that? I just don't know if people can handle that. That's why he's a, he's, that's why he's a unicorn. And I just don't know if a lot of people can do that and, and do it at, to the level that you have to do it at the big league level. Yeah, Hard. I often think, too, that, that, and this gets back to this thing about why there aren't as many switch hitters as there used to be. I also think there's such an emphasis now with kids on, especially, you know, if you're playing for a travel team in the States or you're playing for any team, your family's spending a lot of money to get you seen. And and I just think, I don't think you can, I think there's this, this pressure. It's the same reason we don't allow, we don't have kids playing multiple sports mm-hmm. anymore. There's a pressure, there, there's a pressure to make up your mind about what you want to do early. And now let's develop that as opposed to let's kind of try this. It, now it's, what do you want to do? Let's focus on that. Let's get you, make sure you're getting your off-season coaching right away. I, don't, I mean, I don't know what would happen if, if, if a kid said, Dad, you know what? Or Mom, uh, I want to pitch and hit. I, I, want, I want to do both. You mentioned the switch hitting. For me, the, the shifts have killed switch hitting. Switch hitting, you have to be an average hitter. Like you, on both sides of the ball, you're not going to be a power hitter on both sides. Okay. The shift has killed them. Let me ask you this, though, because when I played, you know, 15-year-old baseball, band and baseball and all that. I guarantee you our best pitcher was our best hitter. I, I, it just was. The best guy in the team was the best guy in the team. When you played. It was that it was that case at that level. But when you start getting in the minor leagues, it's not the case of that yeah. anymore. That, that's no, the but thing. I'm just There's wondering where that of, kind of that, that kind of goes. Well, it's you got you gotta you gotta hone in on one and you're gonna figure out ways to make the most yeah. money 
to that best part of your game that you possibly can. And again, it gets back. I bug the, you know what, out of Chipper Jones all the time about switching and about hitting and what it takes to be a good hitter and different ways to explain it to people, simplify mm-hmm. it. Cause I like it. He's an elite kind of guy. He did it from both sides of the ball. But I ask him, if you tried to do that today's age with the shift, would you still try and do it? He said, probably not just because there's no money in it. Yeah. No, there's no money in me. That is, you're making an economic decision. How do I get the ball in the air, both sides of the plate? Nah, I can't do it. I, I'm trying to hit over the shift, not around the shift or through the shift. I'm trying to hit it over. And could I do that right-handed like I could do that left-handed? Probably not. And you'd have to really think about, is it worth it to you to try and do that? Because they don't care if you hit 300 anymore. You know, it's about Matt Chapman. Well, he's hit this many balls this hard instead of he's hitting a buck 80. Like there's you just the mindset of way you go about justifying your batting average is totally different than it used to be when I played. Daryl and Cole Harbor, Nova Scotia. Interesting question here. Who's going to turn it around first, Lourdes or Teoscar? I like Teoscar. I think Teoscar can use the entire field. That for me is he's shorter, he's quicker, he has more length with his barrel, which is a big deal in today's age because of how many times they throw the breaking ball, secondary pitches. You want length. You want short to it and long through it. And for me, Teoscar is more, and his lower half simpler. And quite frankly, he is an easier person to walk up to and say you need to adjust. Stop standing so far away from the plate. It's not a good thing. Like, they're wearing you out on the ball away. Stop doing that. And I think it's easier to talk to Oscar into making changes. So, I'm going to go with Teoscar. Well, especially since Lourdes made that change and saw some, you know, saw some success making that change last year. And now you got to say, you know that stuff that worked last year? It ain't working now. Let's go. Let's try something else. That's And the opportunities for, for Lourdes are probably going to go... Pretty much. And Teo's going to get it a lot more chances. That's it for Blair and Barker. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks for joining us all week. We will be back Monday from 10 to noon Eastern on Sportsnet 590, The Fan 360. Re- please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Have yourself a great weekend.